So if you follow us on social media, Instagram or Facebook, this gag means something to you. If you don't, what are you doing? We have got great stuff going on on Facebook and Instagram, uh, ways to be able to reconnect with the services during the week. Also, uh, we're actually doing a drawing this weekend or today. Uh, make sure you check us out, FCBC, um, on, on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, but uh, I, wasn't, I was a, a baby in, in the 70s, not exactly 60s, so I'm going I'm to remove this if it's okay with you guys. What we're going to do today we're going to kind of recognize something that's kind of been in the air for a while. You see, I don't know about you, but whenever I read the Bible, sometimes I don't understand what I'm reading. Sometimes whenever I read the Bible, I get frustrated with it. Sometimes whenever I read the Bible, and I don't know if I'm allowed to even say this or not, I get mad. So if there's moments whenever you read the Bible and it frustrates you or you don't understand it, you and I can hang out, okay? Here's the verse that jumped into me this, this past year. I've kind of fought with it all year long. Here it is. And this is actually the words of Jesus, which makes it even worse that I get frustrated by the words of Jesus. Here it is. It says, um, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace of mind and heart, don't be troubled or afraid. The past 12 months has made that a little bit tough, hasn't it? Exactly 12 months ago today, we started hearing about this virus in China, and we didn't have any clue how it was going to affect us so very much. About nine months ago is whenever we started hearing these rumblings about social justice issues and people were protesting, people were feeling frustrated, and there was a lack of peace in that. Six months ago, there was an election. Elections are always tense in our country, but this one seemed more tense than the fallout from just a few months ago there seemed to be a lack of peace. And if you were a Jewish person, hearing this for the first time, peace is more for you than just an absence of conflict or war. You see, peace for an ancient Jewish person would have meant wholeness of self, harmony with others, prosperity in all that you do, and victory over enemies. I don't know about you, the past 12 months have been anything but peaceful. So I wrestled with this, and I wrestled with God. And I don't know how your relationship with God works, but I have a fairly open relationship with God. I, I kind of yell at him, and, and, and he listens. And, and I yell some more, and, and he listens. And then whenever he's tired of me yelling, he'll kind of just like poke straight through to my soul the way only God can. And what God told me was this. Peace does not need to be defined by circumstances, but by the lifestyle that Jesus taught you to live. I can't control the circumstances that are around me. I can't control the news. I can't control how I feel. I can't control the things that other people do. But I can control 
my lifestyle and living it the way Jesus taught me. So, being a Bible nerd, self-professed Bible nerd, I have a tendency to open this book and start really, really reading whenever I get frustrated because I think there's a lot of wisdom in the context. And as I read more and more of what, what Jesus was saying and what Jesus was talking about, I discovered something that frustrated me even more and, but yet challenged me and encouraged me. See, what Jesus talked about Almost, more than anything else, more than heaven and hell combined, what Jesus talked about was the way we think about money. It was the way we treat money. I didn't want to hear that. I wanted, I wanted something flowery. I wanted something that would lift me up. But the, actually, what I learned was this, that there's hard work to be done. And I remembered an illustration that a former pastor had showed me, Pastor Stan Tharp at Christian Life Center up in Dayton. And, and so I'm going to show this illustration for you guys. Um, call it the pipes. This box here represents your salary. Whether you make $20,000 a year or $200,000 a year, for right now and for today, you are on the same playing field. This is your income. Now inside this box are some simple Basic PVC pipes. Uh, I borrowed these from the garage out back. Greg helped me cut them. That's going to represent 10% of your income. Okay? 10% of your income. So let's just kind of walk this through. So there's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80% of your income represented in cheap plastic PVC pipes. These guys are about half that size, so we're going to call these 5%, 5% of your income. So that's 80, so that'd be 85, 90, and 95. These little itty bitty guys here, we're going to say those are 1% of your income, okay? 1% of your income. So that gets you to 96, 97, 98, 99, and 100. So again, it doesn't matter whether you make $10 an hour or $200 an hour, this is your income. This is what you have to spend. And the Bible has an opinion on how we spend our money. The first category we're going to look at might surprise you, but if the old edge is true, then there are only two guarantees in life, death and, everybody say it with me, taxes. Oh, joy, joy, joy. Now, Jesus was asked point blank, should we pay taxes? Seems rather basic, doesn't it? Well, Jesus' response was rather basic as well. Coming out of the book of Matthew, Jesus says, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Now, we're going to talk about the second half of that verse in just a second, but let's deal with the first half. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Now, that was fairly scandalous for the first hearers of this, because the Jewish people did not live in a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. You see, they were an occupied people. Scott believed that the ancient Jewish people, their tax rate was somewhere between 50 and 75% of their income. 50 to 75% of their income. Now, we don't have to do that, thankfully. But let's, let's look at what a typical family will pay. Once you include income taxes... Property taxes, sales taxes, and all of those, you know, fees and licenses that we buy. Let's just do one more because 
The average typical family in America will have to spend somewhere between or around 28%. There's 10, 20, 25, 6, 7, 8. 28% of your income in taxes. Now, if you own your own business or if you are a higher income bracket and your tax rate is a little bit higher, that is probably even being conservative. Jesus said, pay your taxes. He follows that up with, and give to God what belongs to God. So let's look at that category. Everybody say this with me. Giving. There you go. All right. Now, in the Bible, giving is talked about using two different words. The first word is tithe, which literally means a tenth. The second word is offerings. All right. So let's do this. Let's just go a tenth. We said this is 10%. Let's go ahead and do that just straight up. And let's show you where this comes from. This is Old Testament language here. This is out of the book of Malachi. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test. Now, a tenth was the expectation. What that meant was that the ancient Jewish person would have given 10% of their income, 10% of whatever they grow in their garden, 10% of their oils and spices, literally 10% of everything. Then Jesus comes along, and as Jesus normally does, he raises the game a little bit. You see, Jesus didn't just give 10%. Jesus gave everything, including his life for us. And so whenever you get to the time of Paul, he kind of looks backwards through the lens of Jesus and he kind of does something a little different. This next passage talks about this. That's out of 2 Corinthians. It says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, everybody say generously, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God, and this he's quoting here, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So there's tithes and there's offerings. And we're going to go ahead and go above the 10%. We're going to go ahead and add two more. So we've got our taxes of 28%. We've got our giving of 12%. And I'm going to do the next category here right after I move some of these guys out of the way. This one is, everybody say it. Savings, okay. The Bible actually talks about savings. We have to kind of infer a couple things, though. Picking up in Proverbs, now that the, the wisest man who ever lived wrote large portions of the book of Proverbs, and this is what he says. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. The English Standard Version actually translates this, but a foolish man devours it all. Kind of like whenever uh, my family eats spaghetti. Uh, I've got two teenage sons and myself, and whenever we eat spaghetti, it, it, looks, it looks really awful. My poor wife is sitting there trying to figure out what in the world we're doing, because we devour it all. If you talk to a money manager, they will tell you that a good, consistent savings of 10% of your income will set you up will do well for you. So let's go ahead and add that 10% in there. All right, so we've got taxes over here. We've got giving, we've got savings. It's time for my personal favorite category, and that is lifestyle. Everybody say lifestyle. lifestyle. This includes your house, 
your car, your cell phone, your food, your clothing, your Netflix, all of those other things that you do. So we've got the remainder, 10, 20, 30, 40, 45, 50%. 50% of our income is what's left over to spend on life. If you make $40,000 a year, that probably means that you are actually only able to truly spend about $20,000. That does not sound like a lot, does it? But I think, again, going back to the Apostle Paul, looking through the lens of Jesus, what he would say is, is that it's not necessarily the size of your bank account that matters, but the attitude with which you spend that bank account that matters. Here's what he says into his letter to the Philippians. That's a church in Philippi. It would be modern-day Turkey. It says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be, and everybody say content, with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. For whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, what Paul's point here is this. Contentment isn't having what you want. Contentment is wanting what you have. So this is the biblical model. This is the model that the Bible sets up of how we are to manage our money. It's only a problem. Very, very few of us actually live this way. That leads us to the last category. And everybody say debt. Now, anytime this category is mentioned in the Bible, it's not favorably. A typical American family will spend five, 10, 20, 30% of their income paying on their debt or paying off their debt. Now, let's be careful. Let me, let me tell you what I don't mean here. I don't mean your house, and I don't mean a reasonable car. Those are what we call secure debts. What we're talking about here is your MasterCard, your Visa card, your Target card, your Disney card. Uh-huh, I just, I just hurt somebody in the back. We mean your unsecured debt. The things that you paid this month, the things that the Taco Bell you paid for three years ago, that debt. Now, that leaves us with a crunch here, right? There's only 20% left. And I don't care how much you make, you can't live on 20% of your income. The plan gets messed up, doesn't it? Everybody has a plan for how they spend their money. Either they are prepared or they panic. Either you are prepared or you live in panic. Now, I have not known anybody who said, you know what, I have this brand new, awesome, amazing job. I'm making good money now. You know what I'm going to do next? I'm going to grab a bunch of credit cards. I'm going to max them out and I'm going to screw up my life. I've never met anybody that actually did that, okay? What actually happens is that you're driving to work and the tire blows. You finally get over to the repair shop and what do they tell you? 
you need all four tires. 60% of people in America cannot, without charging it on a card, pay for that bill. So you're doing wash, and there's a flood on the floor. You see your red polka dot underwear laying on the ground, and now you realize it just got expensive, didn't it? Because it was a matching set. And so now not only do you need a new washer, but you need a new dryer. And we're back here. The kids are out playing in the backyard. The oldest one comes running in, and all they say is, I didn't do it, it's not my fault. And you go, oh. Because the youngest one is starting to scream, and they're coming in, and they're kind of holding their arm up like this, and you know what's happening next. It means a trip to the ER. It means specialists, it means all those x-rays and scans and all those other kinds of things that are necessary, and you go, hmm, it's going to be expensive, isn't it? And we end up here. It doesn't feel very peaceful. And we can't live on 20%, so we learn to cope. We say, man, I really wish I could, I could save money, but right now, I can't. And so we rob from ourselves. And then we look around and go, that's not going to work. I can't make the ends meet. I really wish I could give right now, but I can't. So we rob from God. You didn't like that term, did you? But it's the term God uses. I've got one more verse to show you. This comes out of the Old Testament. This is God talking. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? Here's the problem. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you don't follow Jesus, uh, I'm going to let you off the hook for this next statement, okay? You don't have to deal with this. For those of us that are Christians, for those of us that follow the, the lifestyle of, that Jesus taught us, if you're asking on Sunday, God, please bless me. God, please bless me. And yet you're robbing him. What do you expect him to say? I don't mean that God is like a vending machine that you put your money into and the blessing pops out. I mean this, you're asking for a blessing and you're robbing him at the same time. What do you expect him to say? And again, we're left with a total lack of peace. I discovered something a few years ago you see, I know all too well what this looks like. I've been here, so I'm not judging you. But I found something that helped me get out. It wasn't a shortcut, not a get-rich-quick scheme, not the lottery. If your retirement plan is the lottery, you probably need a new plan, I'm just saying. And what I found was a group. Financial Peace University group. In that group, I learned how to budget for real. 
I learned how to save. I learned how to be content. And you can do that too. See, in the next few weeks, we've got two different couples that are actually leading life, financial peace university groups. And I want you to jump in. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. If you do this, it will change your life. You will discover what it means to save for that first $5,000 that whenever an emergency comes up, you can pay it. As you learn contentment, you will discover that you have the margin to be able to give the way you want to give. And eventually, over time, through the difficult day-to-day decisions that you have to make, you'll be able to get rid of your debt, to be able to save those three to six months so that whenever the next time a pandemic happens, you'll be ready. Whenever the next job change happens that you didn't ask for, you'll be ready. Whenever the next catastrophe and panic moment happens, you'll be prepared. You'll understand the freedom that financial peace can bring. And you'll have margin. Go ahead and throw this up on the screen, guys. Here's what I want you to remember. If you remember nothing else, I want you to remember this. Margin with your money means peace in your plan. Everybody's got a plan. You either prepare or you panic. Margin with your money means peace in your plan. You know what this looks like? This looks like, you know what? If the grandkids want to do Disney, margin means it's on. Let's go. Margin means, you know what? If it's time for that new kitchen remodel, granite countertops, beautiful cabinets, stainless steel appliances and a new floor, it can happen. Margin means that whenever the ASPCA commercial comes on and you get all squishy in your emotions and all that, you can give in a way that you never could before. You see, margin with your money means peace in your plan. So let me circle up to the beginning again. Let me go back to that verse that we looked at at the beginning. This is Jesus talking. And he says, I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Now, was Jesus literally talking about our money? Maybe. I think he was actually probably talking about a couple of things at the same time. You see, what Jesus was talking about was peace in your present. And we know how to do that now. Talk about peace in your future. And peace for your forever. You see, what Jesus' greatest gift to us was his sacrifice on the cross, his death, and his conquering and defeating of death itself, which gives us peace and gives us the example of the lifestyle that leads to peace. Here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and grab your phone. You got it close, I know you do. (laughs) Open up a browser, it doesn't matter whether it's Chrome, Safari, it doesn't matter to me. 
And I want you to type into the address bar fcbc.life, fcbc.life. You got it? Archie's already got there. Oh, look, I love it. It's going to look something like this. Here's what I want you to do. Scroll down just a little bit. Scroll down or drag, whichever. The third card on there says Financial Peace University. Whether you've taken this group before, whether you've taken this as a class before, I highly recommend doing it more than once. I really do. The first time you usually spend kind of learning a lot of stuff, the second time is whenever you really kind of get into it and develop some of those relationships and that encouragement and that help that makes it possible. Sign up for Financial Peace University. I said this once, I'll say it again. It will change your life. The next card says, let's connect. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, or maybe it's the first time in a really, really long time, it would help us a ton if you just kind of let, you know let us know that you were here. Uh, you can give us your name, email address. Um, also, we do try to design these services in a way that is awesome for you. Um, and sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. So uh, leave, a, leave a comment on there, let us know how we did. Um, and then the next thing on here is, is one that, if, if, you're a, um, if you call Fort Caroline your church home, I want you to take a look at that next card on there. It's giving. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to, I want you to give your best gift, however God's leading you. It could be a one-time gift, or it could be that start of the consistent form of giving that shows that you trust God in a new and fresh way. Now, I can't expect you or me or anybody to magically have 10% of your income that just kind of appears. This doesn't work that way. But maybe what you do is you start right here. Find 1% of your income. The giving through our online system, it's how I give. It's safe, it's fast, and it's easy. And you can match it up timing-wise with your, with your paychecks. 1% this year. And then... Wherever you're at in your regular consistent giving, here's my challenge for you. Again, those of you that consider Fort Caroline your home, give 1% more. You do that year over year over year, and you will discover that not only did you cross that 10% threshold, that is the tithe, but you will discover that there is an amazing freedom, an amazing joy that happens because every time you invest in the ministries of Fort Caroline Baptist Church, you're investing in a, in a, in a nonprofit called Arlington Community Services. Arlington Community Services provides food for people that don't have it. You're investing in an organization called Her Song that rescues women out of trafficking, human trafficking. You're part of that. There are, you are a part of an orphanage that is here in Jacksonville and one in Haiti and in multiple places across the globe. And you are a part of that by investing in what happens here. So whether you are in person or whether you are online, thank you for how you give and what you give. It makes a difference and it matters. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the clarity of understanding the biblical model of how we spend our money. God, I will freely admit I have not always lived this way, and I'm not totally there yet now, but God, thank you for the privilege and the ability and the self-discipline it takes to get there, to be on the right path, to be on the path of health, to be on the path of financial 
peace. God, I thank you for every single person who donates, who gives their treasure and their time. God, thank you that they are making a difference. Thank you for the, the food that goes out of Arlington Community Services and feeds people in this local neighborhood. Thank you for the ladies who are being rescued out of sex trafficking through her song. Thank you for the folks who are running that organization and we love partnering with them. God, thank you that someday that organization won't be necessary. And God, we pray for that day. God, I pray a blessing upon every single person hearing this, whether they're in the room or whether they're watching online. God, I pray that you will give them the ability and the wisdom and the self-discipline to find peace, wholeness of self, harmony with others, prosperity in all they do, and victory over their enemies. God, thank you that you provide that victory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.